are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show, powered by CRTV. Podcast edition here on Westwood One, available via iTunes and Stitcher. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. We would love it if you would join us. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D E A C E. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider clicking subscribe on our podcast here on whatever device you are listening to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay. That really does help. If a lot, if enough of you do that, that helps to grow us, as as does if, if you leave us positive reviews. Now, if you don't like the show, don't don't lie. But if you do like the show, if you could leave us positive, leave us a positive review, the more of you that do that also helps others to take notice. And so many of you have already done both of those two things. We want to say right here from the outset, thank you. You, if you have done that already. Thank you in advance if you're going to do it today. Well, we just wrapped up production for our CRTV show. Let's get a preview of the program to come before we get into this particular program. Aaron, I'll start with you. Uh, there's tons of great stuff in today's show. Uh, fake news or not, though, this is a prime example, I think, of uh, using the premise of your opponent's arguments against them. That was, uh, I, I laughed out loud. We had to stop actually taping the first time around. I laughed out loud, so you can't hear that on the recording. When I figured out what Steve was doing with the clip that we played first on Fake News or Not, one, you want to check that out for sure. Todd? Well, I learned that uh, I actually kind of gave you uh, an eye roll uh, when you were talking about what uh, Trump should do uh, concerning the border uh, and the horde coming this way. But just as we were starting the show, I look at my Twitter feed and you just retweeted that Trump is sending a portion of the military down to the... So he's actually good now. the, The military in the hands of Donald Trump... Yikes, uh, to say the least, but he is actually going to be a man of action on this front and not just stop at a tweet. I'll get into this more on the television show, but the tweet that he uh, fired off this morning is cash money. Everything he said is exactly right. Word for word. I mean, I wouldn't word it the way he does, but I'm not him. Okay. I mean, but in the way he communicates, the message he's conveying is right on. This is not just a winning issue. It's the right side of the issue. And when you have opportunities in politics, especially in today's polarized era, well, it's always been a polarized era, but it's an extremely polarized era right now. When you have a convergence of what's right and what's expedient, you're just committing malfeasance to not follow through. If I I was the president and if I was in the White House, unless... Unless something happens externally I can't control, I have to react to, my entire focus for at least the next 48 hours, which may not seem like a long time, but in today's news cycle, it's a pretty long time, actually. My entire focus of the next 48 hours at least would be this issue. 
this caravan, the border, etc. It would be this issue. When I wouldn't get off of it. Mueller doesn't exist. Stormy Daniels doesn't exist. CNN doesn't exist. Uh, Nordstrom's doesn't exist. Not, not, Fox and Friends doesn't exist. Nothing else exists. I would not permit them to change the subject from this caravan. Now, whether we have a president capable of that level of discipline, we'll see. But already, you know, uh, we're getting a level of follow through, which is one stage of it. A level of follow through we're not typical to not typically used to seeing. So that's promising. But we'll get into that more a little bit on the television show today. If you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, CRTV.com, promo code DACE, is how you can watch today's television show. And not just today's, but all the shows we've ever done. And and all the shows that we've ever done at CRTV. From the great one Mark Levin to Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame. Right on down to us at the very bottom of the totem pole. The plankton of the food chain, otherwise known. Or maybe we're even more like the algae that the plankton eat. I think we're the algae. We're the algae of the CRTV food chain. We're other algae. Other algae. Yes, <laughs> indeed. There might even be better algae than us, and then there's other algae. Well said, Aaron. So CRTV.com, promo code algae. You know, a promo code DACE. That's D-E-A-C-E. If you want to watch today's show on CRTV or any of our shows, please take advantage of that promo code. Get a discounted subscription today. All right. Let's get into it. It is a Pop Culture Tuesday. And there really wasn't one issue that I'm like, yeah, we got to spend like 30 minutes talking about this. But there were a few different issues in pop culture that going on right now that I, I'm like, you know, I, I want us to touch on it because I'm not sure how many other people will. And I think they're worthy of being discussed. So we're going grab bag. And more of a potpourri, Alex Trebek. Yes. All right. Number one. I've not had a chance yet to see God's Not Dead 3. We had David A.R. White from Pure Flix, who's the star of the film and has been in all the films as Pastor Dave, and he's uh, helped to produce them as well. Uh, We had him on CRTV late last week to promote it. I've not had a chance to see it yet. Uh, I was actually looking through my movie pass for the next few days, looking at some matinees and trying to match it up with my schedule so I could get out and see it this week. Uh, A few of my friends around the country that have seen it have sent me notes thinking it's the best one in the series yet. Sadly, though, the movie bombed at the box office. I think it opened in 10th place overall. Uh, grossed less than $3 million, Which normally actually would not be bad for a faith-based film. Except this is a franchise. I mean, this is a film that has made over $100 million, this franchise has, because of this overall success of the first one. And that got me to thinking... Because the, uh, the Paul Apostle of Christ movie also hasn't lit it up at the box office either. And, you know, I, w- I was struggling to find a time for me to go see God's Not Dead 3 this week because it's down to just only one theater in our town because of how underwhelming it performed. Is it just me or the commercial campaign? I, I hardly remember seeing any commercials period for this God's Not Dead 3. And I remember seeing a ton for the Melissa Joan Hart one and the second one. Yeah, I didn't know it was coming out until I saw trailers for it in the last few months at the theater. But I didn't, I didn't see like almost anything on television or anything at all. So there you go. But, and maybe they thought because of the built-in success of the, of the franchise that 
they kind of didn't have to do that. That's and I, I can see that. But for whatever reason, the film didn't work. Well, I shouldn't say it didn't work. It it didn't gross what they were hoping for at the box office. And the Apostle Paul movie, which is really good, exceedingly well acted, has also not really lit it up at the box office. I can only imagine is crushing it at the box office. It's approaching 60 million domestic, which is a huge number for a film of that magnitude. And I'm wondering, do you think Christian filmmakers have to see themselves, even if you're at, you know, um, the Paul movie is made by Sony's Affirm Studios, that's their faith-based studio, but it's a Sony movie. Pure Flix is its own, <clears throat> pardon me, it's its own studio. Um, I can only imagine, I'm trying to think of who made that film. I can't think of it, who's the distributor of it offhand. I have to look it up. But you wouldn't have Thor Ragnarok released and then Black Panther would be out in two, three weeks later, Right. When you're part of a shared universe or a certain genre, you space those movies out. You don't want overlap. You don't want them bleeding from one audience to the other. Uh, a lot of the people that are the target demo for that kind of movie have families. It's exceedingly expensive. And I think that's the second time I've used exceedingly today. It's very expensive to take a family to the movies. Even with Amy and I on this movie pass, when we take all three of the kids, if we get popcorn and drinks, it's a 50 to $75 expenditure. And Lionsgate, it, by the way. Lionsgate. So again, another separate studio, right? So um, Lionsgate does, I can only imagine, Sony does The Apostle Paul, Pure Flix does God's Not Dead 3. <clears throat> so even though they're technically competitors... Marvel and Marvel and, and Warner Brothers wouldn't put out films right on top of another, right? Like you wouldn't have well, they kind of did actually. because uh, Justice League got moved from the spring to the fall and Thor Ragnarok came out two weeks later. And what happened to what happened to Justice League when Thor Ragnarok came out? Tanked. Tanked. So that actually actually works in my favor. I, I wonder if Christian filmmakers have to form some sort of consortium and say, we are a niche, like any other genre. And we're going to have certain peak seasons. This would be a peak season, Easter. But if you're a Christian family and you're the target demo for this, and <clears throat> after you're done with church and everything else on Easter Sunday, you're going to go see a movie over Easter weekend. You can only go with one, and there's three of them out. And given the three that I just said, which one are you most likely going to go see? I can only imagine. Why? Well, why did we op why do we open up this podcast every day urging people to subscribe and click and, and give us positive reviews? Because the more people that subscribe and the more people that give us positive reviews creates what? More people that subscribe and more people that give us positive reviews. People don't want to be the first to find out something and they don't want to be the last. They want to get in on something that they think is already proven to be cool and then be able to go tell their friends about it at the same time. So when you already have, when you already have I Can Only Imagine has all this success, 
And if you were, if you're a family, a Christian family, you went to church on Sunday, you're like, all right, after dinner, let's go see a movie as a family. You can only see one of these three movies. You're going to go see the one that's already the built-in hit. And your kids probably heard the song on contemporary Christian music radio when they were little, right? Or, or <clears throat> you played it when you were younger, because I can only imagine the song is almost 20 years old now. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. Came out in 2001 or two. Yeah. It's almost 20 years old now when it was originally released. That means we're old, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. So I'm, I'm wondering, do we need to say, if you're a Christian filmmaker, you got Easter, I've got Christmas, we'll put one out in the summertime, you know, one out in the fall. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You got to space these out a little bit more because you're a niche audience. Even, even the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <clears throat> man, I can't clear my throat. It's a bigger, it's a bigger niche, but it's still a niche. They, they wouldn't, you know, trip all over each other's brands. I mean, how much do that, do you think that has to do with what happened to God's Not Dead 3 this weekend? Uh, along with what I said, it doesn't, they, they didn't seem to market it very well, but I think you're onto something. And I think uh, it speaks to something Aaron alluded to uh, off air when we just touched on this. Um, it's a good problem to have. This is an embarrassment of riches. Finally, you have, I mean, we, how long were we begging for one well-produced Christian movie mm-hmm. that didn't, you know, the, while the theology may have been sound, um, you'd rather watch just, uh, uh, you know, somebody on C-SPAN reading from the cookbook because it's just grading in its production value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we have three at the exact same time. Right. They're going to learn from their mistakes, but this... Um, they, sh- they they better learn from their mistakes, but it's an honest mistake, and um, it's a good one to have. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I was I was going for. Is that this is at the end of the day, this is a good problem um, to have. But even if I, I think this is just generally, um, I don't know if if we're on this trajectory though. So you you, you say that the the Marvel and generally speaking. Marvel and DC or multiple Marvel movies or multiple DC movies don't come out around the same time, generally speaking, so as not to oversaturate that niche. Um, Well, I I think the Christian, I think we might be underestimating slightly the audience, the Christian niche uh, audience. I think there's more I don't know. There's more genres of subgenres of Christian films out there to be made. Not that all of these are the same. In fact, they're not. Um, they're all all different in their own right. But I think the 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 better Christian filmmaking becomes, which is going to be talking about having subgenres of Christian films that you don't want to put out in the same subgenre at the same time. But yeah, for right now, I think for where the industry is is um this is probably a mistake that hopefully that that will be that will be learned from because at the same time you run into this all the time i'm i worked for a ministry before i came and worked for you uh it's simultaneous simultaneously a business and a ministry there's a nut that you got to crack but there's also the work that you're trying to do Mm -hmm. and those things those things all seemingly play hand in hand sometimes especially when you're talking about bringing a product to the market 
Um, but this is, yeah, this is this is something that uh, I don't think can happen again because they, um, yeah, there, there has to be there has to be a market for it if they want to keep putting up the capital for these types of movies. All right, I've seen a couple of sports stories recently. I wanted to get you guys' take on, and they're basically the same story, just two different sports. One involves a women's lacrosse team, a college women's lacrosse team. I can't remember what school it is. But they did a lip sync video with um, an explicit rap song that I guess is really popular right now. And it includes the N-bomb. And a couple of places in the, uh, the liberal blogosphere took issue with this. And essentially said this was this was racist for them to do this. And then last night, USA Today, if you watched the national championship game with my beloved Michigan Wolverines in it, you probably got introduced to the ginger known as the Michael Jordan of Delaware, Dante DiVincenzo, who I believe just shot the ball from Austin and it went in okay I mean the guy was unconscious last night to put that in perspective that's the first 30 point game in an NCAA championship since my boy Glenn Rice in 1989 guys really yeah that's how long ago that was almost 30 years almost 30 years since somebody had a 30 point game in the national championship game and he came. That's he, hard to believe. And he came off the bench, bro. Cannot be understated that he he single handedly won that game. Yeah, you know, I, I know we didn't play great, but you're as great as our defense is. You're only going to play as, as so good a defense against a team that good. You have to figure, you know, you have to hold Villanova to seventy five to eighty points. I went and looked at all four of their losses. They averaged about seventy six points. Where they get last night, seventy nine. So even though we did not dominate on the defensive end, holding them under 80 points, that's what you needed to do. We did that. We made them beat us with, at best, their third scoring option. Some nights he's their fourth best option. And he put up 31 points. We lost because we went three for 24 from three-point range. You're, just, you're not going to beat any, in this era of college basketball, you're not going to beat any top-tier team in a, in a one and done scenario single elimination shooting that poorly you're just not going to do it you can't I mean even if Michigan had shot 8 for 24 that still is not good that would have been 15 more points we lost by 17 so the whole game came down to and, and it wasn't just that we were bricking open shots they played really good defense too so it's, a, it's always a combination mm-hmm. right they played some good defense we did miss some open looks but the story with Dante DiVincenzo today, if you're at USA Today, which in the interest of full disclosure, I am a contributor there. But it, it, the, the story at USA Today about Dante DiVincenzo isn't so much that he did something that hasn't been done in college basketball in about 20 years. Christian Leitner didn't do it. Think about all these great names we've had in the last, since night, since Glenn Rice's great run for Michigan when he set the record for most points scored in an NCAA tournament. He's got 30 every game. No one's done it since then. Since 1989, no, none of these great players did it. 30 points in a national championship game. Carmelo Anthony didn't do it. 
Think about that stuff. That's crazy. He did it. Agreed. I can't believe that's true. Ginger dude from Delaware did it. Okay? And he did it against what was ranked the third best defense in all of college basketball for the season. So it wasn't like he was doing it out there against a bunch of scrubs. This story should be what a great story he is, right? It is everywhere except one place at USA Today, where somehow they were tipped off to something he posted on social media in 2011 when Dante DiVincenzo was 14 years old. 14. And again, it's white kids getting in trouble with hip hop. And apparently it was some lyrics, something, some video he lip synced along to, again, a rap song that included N bombs. And that's how USA Today last night chose to cover Dante DiVincenzo. It's what was on a social media account seven years ago when he was 14. I think we all, we don't have to debate the timing of USA Today, right? We all recognize that's just Bush League. Don't we recognize that? Beyond douche-tastic, beyond. Uh, Having been in a newsroom for 12 years, I call it another day that ends in Y. Yeah, we don't don't have to debate that. And and we don't, even if you think it's news, and that's the debate we're going to have in a minute, even if you think it's news, Dante DiVincenzo is going to be a big story a week from now. You can run that story next week. But to hit a kid well, he's a man now, but to hit a man with what he said when he was 14 years old. You know how many N-bombs I dropped at 14, 15, 16 years old thanks to Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Easy e You could probably put the chronic in right now and I would remember still most of the words. That's how often we listen to that crap at that age. To hit that young man at, at, his, at his... And it's not like he did something criminal. But to troll him with a story like this at that time in his life just frankly says a lot more about you than it does about him. And if that means I don't if that means I'm done contributing at USA Today, so be it. I like it. They're nice to me. They let me say what I want. But that's just douchery. That's douchetastic, as Michelle Malkin would say. That's what that is. So we all agree. Set that aside though. Are we okay with white kids dropping N-bombs in the context of its replete in, you know, modern rap and modern hip-hop music? Does it, and it's not, I know, I know some people are going to say, well, it's not, it's not the same N-bomb, all right? It's not... ER. It ends with an A. It has a, it's, it's, there's a certain different urban dictionary meaning. All right. I'm not even going to, that's a, I can't, I'm not qualified to have that debate, man. I'm 44 and I live in Iowa. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to let other people take that over to the Adam Carolla podcast. He's cool. I, 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 that's over my pay grade as Barack Obama would say. I'm not, I'm not cool enough. I'm sitting here in an Oxford button down shirt from Joseph A. Bank and sweatpants and sandals with no socks. All right. So I went to, I went to great clips to get a haircut last night. And I said, just give me a number four. I, I'm not, I, <laughs> I can't, I can't referee urban dictionary, pop culture lexicon. I'm out. All right. I'm like Kramer. I'm rocking into Jerry's. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out at that point. Okay. I'm going to let other people cooler, hipper, you know, 
Are you doper sure? than me. I'm going to let people doper than me break that down for you. In general, though, removing that, that aspect of the debate that you and I are way too old and white to have, are we comfortable with it? Is it okay? That's really the question. Is it? Because that's what would make it a story. We're saying we're not comfortable with it. Which begs several other questions. I mean, you're marketing this as entertainment material. So, but it's you, it's not for white people. It's, it's not. Okay, that's what I'm asking. So then you're racist, maybe. Yeah. Your thoughts on this, Todd? Well, it it's simultaneously totally okay and not okay at all. It, the fact that any kids. Are doing this stuff with so little. It, it, forget the fact that it's taped for a second. Just the fact that you're a, allowing that filth to go through you and think it's cool, problematic, white or black. But then you're also putting it on YouTube or tweeting about it. So your lack of self awareness is uh, doubly broken. You, you just don't, you can't see past that moment. You can't look out into your f- future. In, f- uh, in fact, you actually think this is what you want your future to be about. This is cool. That, that, that's a problem. On the other hand, uh, is, is it been the policy of USA Today to do a quick Twitter, Twitter dive about all the black heroes of sport who had a great game and see what they've how often they've used this term i think we know the answer to that so that's where that's that, that's why I, that's where that, it's totally i, I mean I'm not that's why i address that issue we all agree this is hackery but there's another issue are we is it okay but that that's the reason i say it's totally okay because okay. this this these kids are just doing the, the same stuff that the kids who are all the same as them except for the pigment of their skin are doing. So, of course, by that standard, it's totally okay. Not only that, it's the norm. So, in other words, it, it's it's so common in the subculture that they're a part of, It it's a, it's slang. It doesn't, you're saying it doesn't carry the historical weight that maybe previous generations would have associated with, with it. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed or not. Dante DiVincenzo was like the was the only other white kid that played for Villanova last night. Is this Gillespie, who's the backup point guard, and he backs up the national player of the year, which means he doesn't play very much. And you only saw him a lot last night because the national player of the year had four fouls most of the second half. Okay, so I mean Dante DiVincenzo plays for a school, inner city Philadelphia. That's where Villanova is, and has been playing with predominantly black teammates for this school and I'm guessing throughout AEU ball and most of his career um are, are you trying to, are you basically saying this is more commonplace this has a different slang meaning in in that subculture than it does the historical weight and prejudice that is behind it that I, previous you, generations you, took I it as I guarantee you he has said this word in front of black people countless times and in return 
year after year received knuckles or a bro hug or you know maybe they called you're saying or, maybe they called him that or, or yeah the, 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 this is my yeah. blank so now and now the from, guy, this is my blank from Delaware yeah and now because the dweebs at USA Today have got their social justice warrior hat on he's had to delete his Twitter account I mean this this, this Reality is utterly broken, and this is an example yet again of. So, so you think this is a fake? This is if this whole di- sentence dialogue is fake racism in your view? Oh, utterly so. Uh, let me let me posit this okay. for both of you—a thought experiment for both of you. Let's say the headline after um, after this from USA Today was Vin, uh, Di Vincenzo says he doesn't or will not listen to hip hop or rap. Does that make him a racist then? That's a great question because, like, for example, he's at, he's, he's at the Final Four press conference and someone yeah. says, hey, you know, <clears throat> I hear hip-hop playing you guys' locker room and stuff all the time. Who's your favorite artist? And he says, I'm not comfortable listening to that because I, find a, I don't like the incendiary racist language. Are you saying those exact same people would then call him a racist for making yeah. that point? Yes. Yeah, because he's maybe afraid of liking it and then culturally appropriating it. Yes. That's really what the complaint is here. So you're, you're a racist if you don't like it. You're a racist if you do. Yeah. You're just a racist. So yeah. it's intersectionality all over again. That's well done, Aaron. It is It is uh, anything to pigeonhole white people as racist. Exactly. That last part in particular. It is anything to make sure you because of the color of your skin walk away as a pejorative and if that's your goal in life you're the one who's actually the racist because you can't get away from the color of the skin but these basketball kids had no problem doing it no problem doing it hmm. there is something <laughs> troublesome about what I would guess is a predominantly white newsroom at USA Today because all the newsrooms are predominantly white (laughs) even the most liberal ones Um, a predominantly white newsroom let me put it another way what do you think is more diverse and multicultural Villanova's basketball roster or the (laughs) newsroom Because you knew where I was going to go? Yes. Or the newsroom at USA Today? Oh, it's not even close. It's not man. even close. So what do you think it says that... Here we see... Here we see a well-coiffed white coach in Jay Wright who looks like he's George Clooney's not-quite-as-good-looking brother, but still is a... is. Looks pretty good for a 58-year-old man, okay? Dressed to the nines, man. He is, I mean, he looks like, he looks like a movie star. It's this small Catholic school in the inner city. We have, you have this very diverse team. Villanova, by the way, has not had a top 20 recruiting class since 2010. The only McDonald's All-American Jay Wright has signed is Jalen Brunson. So you have, I think they said last night, Alonzo Spellman's parents, their freshman big man who's really good. His parents met at, while they were athletes at Youngstown State, which means they're good athletes, but that's not in a, you know, even a Division I school, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
So here we have this team, DiVincenzo, as we pointed out, is from Delaware. We have this diverse team from a religious school in an inner city that seemingly is a model of diversity. Wouldn't the wouldn't it be proper to see to to approach this from how? How are you able to accomplish this level of diversity in a religious setting? So I think that's even more. I look at my school, the University of Michigan, but it's a public university. I mean, what Michigan has with the German player here and the, you know, the tatted up kid from Chicago and Charles Matthews over here and the Xavier Simpson kid from Lima, Ohio, whose dad was his AAU coach over here. There, there, there's, you know, the kid Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman who went to the Catholic school in Philadelphia over here. All right. That's an impressive level of diversity in and of itself. And you have the devout Catholic coach, you know, religious coach and John Beeline. But it's hard to do that at a public university. Villanova has accomplished this at a religious one. Shouldn't we be looking at the inner workings, if we truly are interested in diversity, looking at, at that and, and asking ourselves, how are they able to do this? How are they these interchangeable parts? How, how, do they, how do they manifest this? There's no way they can do that, Steve. And I mean it. There is no way they can do that without smashing their own idols in the process. Because the way Villanova did it defies their their notions of their narratives, yes. Their narrative and their notions of what diversity is, which is, as Aaron pointed out, intersectionality. Let's define that for our audience. And listen, if you listen to the Ben Shapiro show, you know more about it than we do. Okay. But but if you're not if you if you don't listen to Ben Shapiro's show, intersectionality, correct me if I'm wrong, all right? It's essentially the ranking of yep. grievance groups. Yep. And and certain groups have historically been more stigmatized than others. So they are they are higher in the pecking order. So yep. homosexuals are higher than blacks, for yep. example, right? Yep. And and that's the and then that intersectionality pecking order determines who is allowed to be discriminated against based on the the solid make good you have to do for the group that's yep. higher in the pecking order. Yeah. So like uh, I don't know a black tranny from the suburbs is going to be lower ranked than uh, I don't know a white. Um, a white trainee from the suburbs. Yeah, 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 exactly. And even if you're old enough to remember sharecropping and Jim Crow laws, if you're and you had to sit in the back of a bus in Birmingham, Alabama, back in the day, if you're an 84 year old black man who's gone to church all week long, all, every week all his life, you are behind the 19 year old millennial who doesn't know what gender they are in the intersectionality pecking order. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though that 19 year old millennial who doesn't know what gender they are, his parents combined make a half a million a year, and they and they they live. Uh, on a golf course or, um, you know, in Martha's Vineyard. You're still behind them. Yeah. If, if, if you grew up as a sharecropper's kid, you fought Jim Crow, you were high-pressured water hosed no, in, the, in, say, in the summer of 62. Sorry about the dogs, but we moved on. Yes, yes, we've moved. But, but because you, you go to church, now you've canceled out, the intersectionality says, you go to a church that believes in the Bible. Your intersectionality says your blackness has been canceled out by your religion, and this 19-year-old tranny from this rich white family who lives on Martha's Vineyard is now ahead of you yes. in the pecking order. It's the worst math ever. Ever. <laughs> I'd take the new math over this math any day. I'm in core math. 
And so what we're really saying is Dante DiVincenzo is is has he is guilty of violating intersectionality. Yep. And it would be more offensive to intersectionality if Dante's black teammates were like, well, that word doesn't mean the same thing in a rap album with a different ending letter than it did from a slave owner 150 years ago. It's slang. It's how we refer, refer to our bro dudes here in this culture. And the fact we're letting you use it and we use it on you is indicative of you're accepted among us. You're one of us. That actually is more offensive to the intersectionality narrative is what you're saying, Todd. Mm-hmm. The de-weaponizing of this term, the removal of the prejudice and power behind it, isn't a sign of racial, of, of racial progress in the world of intersectionality. It's a sign that we're even more racist now. Right? That's what we're saying. For the moment, yes. Yeah. And that'll change, too, when it suits whatever insane purposes of the day progressivism has. How do you navigate this world? How do you do it? And who would want to, unless you're getting paid to? You don't navigate it. You become the most aggrieved. Like, listen, if you're just a whore for a, a political movement, we've got plenty of those on the right. Can, can I get an amen, right? So, you know, everyone's got to eat. Rahab the prostitutes and Jesus' uh, lineage, and it's called the world's oldest profession for a reason. So, hate the game, not the player, Snoop, right? So, if you're just a whore for a political cause, because it pays your bills, you know, I don't agree with you, but I can respect commerce. Who wouldn't voluntarily, knowingly, want... <laughs> to center their life around this. It would drive you nuts. And we just got through this last month. We're in the final round. What's this contest we're doing, Aaron? Uh, Marxist Marxist Madness. Madness, 32. Marxist. Marxist what? Freak freak outs. This stuff will drive you insane. And I think the tournament you put together this month is proof of that. This stuff will just make you nuts. Because it, it, you know, in the New Testament, Paul calls us to fix our eyes on things above. The writer of Hebrews says to focus on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Meaning in the New Testament, God in his word is calling us beyond our base nature, recognizing that it's bad. Look for inspirations. Look, look for, for, for guides that call you to look beyond your own self, your own circumstances, your own basic instinct. What this intersectionality does is the exact opposite. It says, stare into the abyss. Better yet, if you, if you only stare into it, you're still a racist. Jump in head first, bathe in it, marinate in it, immerse yourself, be baptized in it, devour it, let it devour you. Be consumed by basic instincts and assume nothing. Nothing can cause us, which is weird for a progressive worldview that thinks human nature is basically good, to then turn around and say, there is nothing that makes us better than we are. 
And so therefore, we're just going to create this intersectionality process by which whoever has been the most victimized by basic human instinct gets first dibs. And so all we're doing is keeping score of what's bad. No one ever talks about or elevates or celebrates or inspires people with what's actually good. Final thoughts, Todd. Uh, You just described exactly how we end up going um, from Mein Kampf to Auschwitz. Mm. The, the, The grand white paper and it's and its great scope of history and all this, what the smart people thought up when they got in the room, it ends up looking like mayhem and chaos and ultimately death. Yep. This is uh, intersectionality is chaos. There is no order. It's just... Uh, perpetually being aggrieved, perpetually being outraged, perpetually being offended. Why? Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's hormones today. Maybe it's somebody looked at me wrong the next day. Uh, it is chaos. You cannot live a life. You cannot have a society um, when your decisions about how you treat others and really governing and leading are based upon who feels bad today. Except we are. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to try, We're by gonna golly. We're going to give it the old college try. You bet we are. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Don't forget, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you use my name as a promo code at CRTV, you'll get a reduced, uh, not description, subscription to CRTV, not just our show, but all of the shows here at CRTV as well. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you. 